0: 35 years later, Bias's legacy is still
1: making an impact. From Spotify and the Ringer Podcast Network, this is What If, the Lynn Bias story. I'm Jordan Ritter-Kahn.
0: This episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast is presented by State Farm. If you ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened, your first reaction is gonna be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car, is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. It's just what you need to sit back and enjoy the game. And they're also getting fans closer to the game than ever. You can win exclusive NBA prizes like courtside seats, signed memorabilia, and more. I love Michelob because of how light it is. It's only 95 calories with 2.6 carbs. You know what the perfect time for Michelob Ultra is? A little doubleheader, a little NBA doubleheader. Right at first half of the first game, I don't know, West Coast time, that's usually about five o'clock, 5.30, perfect time for a beer. You can do it. Grab a pack to enjoy today, learn more, and enter for your chance to win at mclobaltra.com slash courtside, LDA, 21 and up. We're also brought to you by the ringer.com as well as the Ringer Podcast Network. If you missed part one of the two-part extravaganza with Priscilla, which feels like it happened a million years ago, we talked about Nets Bucks. We did our top 40, Um, just an exercise. We weren't saying it's an official list, but it was an exercise. Now we just watched Suns Nuggets. This is going to be part two. Me and Rosello coming up first. Our friends from Pearl Gym. All right, Rassiluus here. Um, I imagine this is what you would look like after like your grandson graduates from college or something. It's just you're you're just beaming. I'll just give you the floor. I have a lot of thoughts, but you take the floor. It's Chris Paul Appreciation Night. You go.
1: We all know how much I love him. Um, you know, I've I've said how frustrated maybe as, as much as any single player. I mean, it, it's kind of funny that you know my all-time favorite athlete is Charles Barkley, and he came up short. And he has to hear about it all the time. I I think it clearly hurts the appreciation of how special a player he was. And if you look at this generation's players, I mean, you know, other than Steph, it's it's probably Chris Paul. And yet Paul, you know, for a bunch of different reasons, some his, a lot having nothing to do with him, just coming up short. And so now to get back to the Western Conference Finals, um, second time since Houston, and that loss to Golden State in that series and he got hurt, it just... I don't know, man. I, I just, I feel like you watch a guy for as long as we've all watched him, and I know how special he is, how smart he is, how he just plays the position differently than I think anybody else in the league does. And yet, with the rings culture, it's like, nah, but I can't appreciate him. And I also kind of get it. You know what I mean? Like I get some of the counter arguments. It wouldn't be just fans and media. Like I've heard from other guys and teams like, oh, you know, he's tough to play with over the course of the year, the way he plays. That's why they keep losing the playoffs. And I, I just like refuse to believe it. So, you know, look, they're in the Western Conference finals. They still have a lot of work to do, but to see him play basically flawless basketball for four straight games is just a reminder, I think, of, of people kind of going, oh yeah, this is this is why Rosillo loves him so much.
0: Well, we did the Book of Basketball podcast about um, what was that, six, seven months ago, and talked about the conundrum of this guy is on paper, one of the best point guards of all time. And we we both hate rings culture, but at the same time, you you're gonna come away from his career asking the question, well, why didn't this translate to a title? Why didn't this translate to a finals appearance? And we broke it down. We went through everything. I don't think either of us anticipated when we did that podcast that he hadn't found the perfect team for him yet. You know, and it's weird to think somebody could be in the league since 2005 and played with some really good players. But this is the team that has brought out all the best pieces of him. And I I think the game he played tonight, I've seen a lot of good Chris Paul games. That was up there with one of the most dominant performances he's had. He had everything cooking. He had the mid-range game. He's getting guys involved. He's doing the whole thing. And you talked about the difficult to play with part. You know, may, maybe that's a piece of this where now that he's the old guy, now that he's been in the league for this long, now that he's playing with guys who grew up watching him, it resonates a little differently, right? Than it did for maybe Blake Griffin in 2013. But Griffin was like, I was on this team first. Wait, don't, you're telling me what to do? Like he clashed with some of those dudes. He's not going to tell James Harden what to do. It seems like he's in the right spot. And I I got a little emotional watching him hug Monty Williams at the end there because You know, we've seen these teams get thrown together over the years. This is a team that it was authentically built. They made a lot of smart decisions, and they really, really leveraged this great relationship that he had with Monty Williams. And it just seems like this is a team that pulls with for each other. The chemistry is very Spurs-like. It feels very Duncan Popovichy. The way the guys, you know, even like when uh, Jokic, evil Jokic, for a second there, did that foul, and the whole team kind of came in to to protect their guy and that you know this is this has turned out to be Chris's masterpiece. You know, it took a while. I think they're going to make the finals. Um they're peaking at the perfect time. Uh but with Chris Paul as always, you never know. We've seen the rug get pulled out from under him before and it's hard not to think about that, right? Yeah, I imagine that's probably always
1: been getting so emotional. You know, he's been he's been emotional towards the end of this year and then, you know, getting through the Lakers and to sweep a Denver team that I think when you looked at them, you go, okay, you know, this isn't surprising. They had a good record after the all-star break. They still had a good record when Murray went down April 12th. You know, they were actually a much better defensive team after the all-star break than even Phoenix was. You know, there's so many times with Denver where I feel like, all right, can I really trust him to get stops? Do they really play great that great of defense? And it was weird because Phoenix actually slipped quite a bit defensively in the second half of the season, which seems crazy now, because you're right, Bill, they're so locked in. And You know, it's kind of that Nets conversation we're having, you know, even when they were healthy. And now it, it looks pretty devastating with the two injuries to Kyrie and Harden. But, you know, growing up watching basketball, we'd like to think that there's something great about teams that all understand each other. Yeah, you know, the, the chemistry thing is real. You know, it's like a band that's played together for years. Basketball at its best, that's what it is. And it was like the Nets were going to just spit in the face of this concept. And if they were healthy, they very well may have won this whole thing. And still, you know, we don't know yet, so you can't completely write them off. But when I watch Phoenix, they're the most locked in, consistent team, knowing exactly who they are, what everyone's supposed to do. I, I don't even think it's debatable. I mean, even Milwaukee gets stagnant and weird you know philly has good moments i think offensively against a, a really good team we'll have to see how they look closing a game utah's had conley out of this series they had mitchell out for long stretches the clippers you know have had all sorts of guys missing games so when you think of the thing that you're supposed to love with basketball and everybody knowing how to play off of each other paul orchestrates it but it's a great collection i mean it's such a nice starting five because you go okay this guy does exactly this and like where other players feel like they disappear, I don't ever feel like Booker is necessarily disappearing. I don't feel like Bridges is disappearing. They'll just have moments where they ride it out and then Paul gets them
0: involved again. And you just have a lot of different ways of beating teams. Even Ayton tonight, you know, he didn't have a great stat night, but all those dudes are present. I feel like they're around and available. I don't feel like they're checked out, all that stuff. It was interesting he said at the end, he was so psyched, Chris Paul, that they had all these fans that came to Denver. And he's like, I've never been with a team that traveled before. And you think like this guy had a pretty fucked up career, right? He, he starts in new Orleans, Katrina happens. They have to play a year in OKC, goes back to new Orleans. They don't have an owner, you know, his fifth, sixth year in the the league is running the team. Finally, he has to get traded. He ends up going to the Clippers, which is the, you know.
1: No, right. But after the Lakers thing, that was right. The
0: Lakers thing falls through. He ends up going to the Clippers, a team that had no history at all spends a couple years there, goes to Houston, has this weird James Harden thing go, that goes back to OKC. And he goes to the, he ends up on this Phoenix team. I did a whole thing maybe two months ago on my pod because two months ago I was like, this team, I don't know if they're going to win the title, but it's not inconceivable to me. This is a weird year. But talking about the history of the Suns and how really since they lost the coin flip for Kareem in 1970 when he was Al Cinder, and it's just, they've always been kind of in the mix. They made the finals seven years in and they've just repeatedly been able to reinvent themselves in these really weird ways and yet have never gotten over the hump. The closest they came was 1993. And now they're back again. I, this is, I think like the seventh or eighth time oh, since 1976 when they made the finals that they were able to reinvent themselves in the fight. Go back to that when they traded for Chris and we thought he was going to go to Milwaukee. It was like, cool. Yeah. All right. This is good for them. It's a good young team. This is a way to keep Booker. They'll be competitive. They might win a round or two. I never remember you and I talking about, hey, this is the Suns can win the title now. That didn't seem conceivable, but this is the magic of the Suns. They have been over and over again. This franchise has been able to, to all of a sudden be in the mix. It's crazy.
1: Yeah. Look, I remember when it was happening and I think you had maybe said it first, like, look out for Phoenix. So, I, you know, when you say, like, hey, both of us were saying he's definitely going to Milwaukee, I don't, I don't, do you remember? Do, is that what we said? I don't remember. No, saying no, it, we, say, were both- we,
0: we thought that was where he would end up because he
1: wanted to go there.
0: Yeah, he wanted it. Point. And right. it made the most sense.
1: Right. But that, me hearing about him wanting to go to Milwaukee, like, predates all this kind of stuff. Cause then when I asked around and it was like, no, no, he'd like to go to Phoenix. Mm-hmm. And then when he got there, he's like, no, 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 he loves it. He loves it here. And Booker, you know, I'm sure Booker, it's kind of like the Kyrie thing in the beginning when he didn't want LeBron to come back. (laughs) And then you were like, really? (laughs) You want to go 30 and 52? And I'm sure Booker, after a couple frustrating years, is like, this is incredible. Like, look how easy my life is with this. Um, Well, think about these
0: guys. These guys hit the lottery with this. I think Booker Booker had a chance to be a multi-all-star. The stuff he learned this season, the experiences he's had, And being on this team is you can't even measure what that's going to mean to him over the next eight to 10 years, Chris Paul, what he's done for eight, and which we've watched over the last six months, we're eight. Now we did our top 40 earlier. And I think he was like 31 for me. I just really like him. And I think his, He is a big guy who really gives a shit, whose heart is in the right place, who tries. Bridges, who was another guy we talked about there in Top 40, where, you know, I was like, maybe next year, this guy might be on the list. Because to me, he reminded me of Jalen Brown in that 2018 range, where it's like, I know the stats don't say it yet, but there's something here as a two-way guy that he has a chance to be like a special guy on a really good team. And I think, you know, going back to Chris, like, it's it's all flown from him. There, there's the only. There's only not to sound you know completely overboard, but he's the only guy in the league who could have done this. Where there's no other point guard like him. He's when he rides off into the sunset. It's not like all right, well, this guy's going to be the new Chris Paul. This is it. This is the position's not played like this anymore. The new point guards that are going to come into the league are going to be emulating Dame Lillard. They're not going to be. And I, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. That's just the reality of the situation. Point guards are going to come in. And they're going to be guys that shoot 10 to 12 threes a game. And they're going to be guys that need you to come out and set picks for them. And they're not going to be able to orchestrate an offense and have that kind of impact on other players like this. I I think this is the last of a dying breed. I really do. He could add 50,
1: 60 if he wanted to tonight. I'm serious. And he only took yeah. 19 shots. He was 14 and to 19 tonight, 37 and 7. Game 3, 27, 8 and 6. That's 8 assists, 9 to 16. Game 2, 17, 15 assists, 5 boards, 6 to 10. Game 1, 21, 11 and 6, 8 to 14. He made every free throw. He didn't take a 3 tonight. And that drag screen where they run two screens at the top, mm. like he just knew. And that's the beauty of Chris Paul. And that's why I, I still can't believe at certain times at the NBA level, I'll get frustrated being like, do you not realize what to attack? And Chris Paul never has that moment. I already know what he's going to try to do against the Clippers. I already know what he's going to try to do against Utah, depending on who wins on that side of it, all right? And so I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves and already have him in the NBA finals, um, but I'll pick them against either of those teams. But there's still a lot of work to do because I don't think they're like far and away better um, than those teams, uh, I, you know, because I just think it's that wide open right now. But Paul knew at every moment with this game, especially when he got going in that third quarter and didn't miss a shot. And I don't know how much longer he would have stayed in with the substitution pattern because he got hit in the eye before the pain Jokic play, which I'm sure we're going to get to later. But he knew every time, like, Porter doesn't know what to do. And I thought Porter's defensive he did, mistakes... When he first, Porter. Right. It, it was when, a destruction
0: for four games.
1: Porter's defensive mistakes were, like, egregious in your face when he first started playing. Like you're yeah. like, oh, that's why. And I still think Malone could have at least tried to put him out there in, you know, when they'd had some injuries and he still refused to play him. Um, and he's a special shot maker. But you can see with Porter Jr., there's just moments where he's like, how about that breakaway where he got the and one in the foul? He had a guy who was right, wide open. He never even looked at him the whole time. And look, he got the and one, so it worked out for him. But it's kind of like where Porter's in his zone. And then there was that play late in the game. It was close to kind of deciding it all where he didn't even see the back screen. There was a back screen on the big by Booker. And that was going to leave Porter at the rim against Chris Paul. And Porter never even saw it. Like, he didn't process any of those things. And it was a wide-open layup for Paul. So that's the advantage that you have. Not that he's makes shots. Not that he's the assist numbers. Not that he's a good shooter. Not that he's making all of his free throws. It's that he's just not going to let you go, like, three horrible possessions. Which was kind of scary because, you know, this game got weird in that, hey, you know they cut it to five, right? Like It's like, oh, Jokic is out. This game's over. I was never worried, though. Um, no, I wasn't worried either. Cause everything felt like it was really a struggle for Denver offensively. And then you could see like everybody was kind of just taking to, but like campaign for the love that, that he, he will, I think after he got hit, he was so mad. He was like, I got this. And then there was a possession where Paul kind of came back in and got the inbound and was like, Hey, yeah, bro, I'm going to set,
0: I'm going to set this one up now. Settle down, right, young uh, back to the Porter thing. He, I love Chris Haynes. This is not a dig on Chris Haynes, but they threw to Chris Haynes for a report, and he's like, "Sources told me the Suns are trying to hunt Michael <laughs> Porter," and I'm like, uh, we're, "We're we've been watching. This is this has been their entire offensive strategy. Like, uh, yeah, we we're we're seeing it. Uh, that was you know one way. They, the other thing is Paul didn't have to play defense in this series. He's going to have to no. play defense next next series against Utah. Against the Clippers, maybe not." You know, there might they, he might be able to hide off on Reggie Jackson, but if you think of Chris Paul, like a DH in this series, that's the best way to think of it. Cause all he had to worry about was the offense. He didn't have to work at all on the other end. This was a severely below average backcourt. I had a, I had a couple things to throw at you, um, with Chris one. So actually let's take a break. Cause this is a, I have a big thing to throw at you. 5 o'clock, 5.30, perfect time for a beer. You can do it. Grab a pack to enjoy today. Learn more and enter for your chance to win at com slash courtside LDA 21 and up. All right. So I was thinking about uh, best old guy title runs. I did not send this to you, but you know, in football, like the defining one was Elway. when And Elway wasn't that old, but he was old. When he won in 97 in Denver, and it it was a legacy alterer. Even people who didn't like the Broncos or didn't care, they were so fired up, you know, it was like great. And it changed the course of his career in a way where you look at like Marino or Barkley, you mentioned earlier, people like that. And it's just like, it lifts that giant monkey off your back. Basketball.
1: By the way, real quick though, that first Super Bowl for Elway, he was six years younger than
0: Brady. Right. (laughs) Yeah. He was 37. He He was a young pup compared to Brady. Um, basketball does not really have a scenario like this Chris Paul thing. I went through it. I I have my whole list of best old guy title runs for you. The closest we can really come to this was 2011 Jason Kidd. But Jason Kidd was not the same player in 2011 that he was at his peak. I think what's interesting about Chris, when you're watching him, especially today, that's about as good as he looked at his prime. And And that's what's been special about him this year is... He's been able to summon Pete Chris Paul when he kind of needs it. And even for extended stretches, but, uh, going through just quick, I I swear I'll rip through this. The 1969 Celts was the best old guy title. Cause that's like Russell who knows he's going to retire. Sam Jones, who also knows he's going to retire. It's like a four seed or something. Yeah, They're four seed. They're underdog every series. And it's just like old guys sucking up. So I got that one. 1972, when Wilt and the Lakers, they won 33, that whole thing. Wilt was 35. Now, he was still throwing his fastball, but I'm just going to mention that one. But here's another really good one. Sorry, it's another Celtics one. But 1976 Celtics, where the Warriors are supposed to win. They lose in seven to Phoenix. Havlicek is kind of at the tail end. He's got plantar fasciitis. Nobody even knows what that is. He's playing with it. He's limping around. And they end up holding off the Suns in the finals. and. Classic, classic old guy title for him. Um, 1985 Kareem, where he becomes 14 years apart, uh, wins finals, MVP, 71. And 1985, he was, I think, 37 years old at that point. 98 Stockton, they don't win the finals. And he was just older than Malone. Malone was still really good. Malone was still top five players Link Stockton was at a point where he's only playing 28 minutes a game. So he's in there. Um, 2006 Shaq older. It's an old guy title. He wasn't the best player in the team. Um, 2012 Garnett where they almost make the finals. And that's like kind of the last Garnett run. And then Miami and game six, game seven, too much LeBron. And then one of my favorites, the 2013, 14 Duncan on the Spurs where And I, I was doing countdown for the 2000 for both of them actually, but in game six, they're up three, two. And I remember saying before the show, I was like, I think Duncan's going to play one of the great games of his career. He, He can smell it. And he came out, I think he had like 24, 25 in the first half and was just doing all that old guy stuff. They end up losing the series. They come back the next year they win. And that's our last old guy title. I think what's, Special. And by the way, we could throw in nine, 1998 MJ, but I, he was the best player in the league. It's hard to call it an old guy title. Um, I think what makes this Chris Paul thing so fascinating as we get closer, there it wins away. It combines a lot of these different pieces, but he's still playing really well. Like that 2013-14 Duncan... He wasn't Duncan anymore. He wasn't 2003 Duncan. But he The
1: shooting get... carried them offensively, too. They yeah, had yeah. some shooting games where it was just, like, humiliating. So Right.
0: But he could he could get there for a half, yeah. but not for a whole series. I think Chris could, the way w- what we're watching, I think could get there a whole series. So um, he's got all the different pieces of it, but he's got to, I, I think, to make the finals, to really make this feel real, which now I would say they're the favorites. And I think... I think what's so cool about this, I, I, did my, I did my pyramid list, I think, in March. I just redid it, and I think I had him, like, 42. This is, like, one of the all-time legacy altars, even if they make the finals. Now now it's like, Chris, with all the other stuff he has, and the only thing you could hold against him was well, but, all right, so why didn't he make a finals ever? Now if he makes a finals, not only is it one of the great old guy title runs, but I think he has to be in the top 20. I, j- I would have to put him there. All time. Yeah. I think he has to go in that. Like he's at least in with Barkley and Malone and guys like that. He's, he's with those dudes. He's with Isaiah. I think that would be the last piece for it. Yeah. Cause the overall stats are going to be
1: staggering for him when he's finally done. Yes, So he'll have the stat part of it and he'll have a resume that I think is really impressive and that he's gone to four franchises and he completely turned them around. Um, but I'd have to look at it. I'd have to look at, like, where I would kind of have my my top 20 guys because, like, Hakeem's still going to be ahead of him.
0: Moses is going to be ahead of him. Yeah, the, the Pantheon guys are all ahead of him. He's in yeah. that. He's with, like, you know, Malone, Barkley, Isaiah, Dwayne Wade, people like that. I think, I think that's the neighborhood you would have to move into. If he brought this Suns team that was this young, that had no playoff experience at all, none, and he brought them to the finals, And he went through the Lakers. Granted, Davis get hurt. He beats the MVP in the second round. And whatever team they play in the next round is going to have spent more money and have more playoff-proven guys. And that's going to be a really hard team to beat. If he makes the finals with this team, I think it changes the way we would look at his entire resume. This was the only piece that was missing.
1: Utah's not going to have a lot of playoff-proven guys. Um, But I...
0: they've They've been in the playoffs for the last few years. Like...
1: Yeah, I know. They've the experience I don't really...
0: compared to like Booker and Aiton and Bridges sure. and people yeah. like that.
1: Sure. I guess I just don't like when I think playoffs, I don't think Jazz. Well, we both um, think
0: the Clippers are going to win that series, right?
1: I'm not sure. I'm really not okay. sure. All I, right. We'll I, get to that know, later. Save the that the Mitchell part of it is is a concern. So, yeah, look, I'm not going to sit here and argue against where you're going to have Chris Paul in the all-time rankings. I just don't want to get too ahead of ourselves. You know, I just don't. It sounds what like do you think already... of the old guy,
0: the old guy title run thing, though? Because it was fun when kid. It's when it happened different though for
1: kid too, right yeah, but kid was a role player who transformed his game. I mean, Kid yeah. went from a guy who couldn't shoot to then he was like this spot up two guard, which is one of the crazy it was the thing I always thought we were going to see from Steve Nash if Nash's back had held up, where mm. I thought he could come in late or come in with a second unit and just go out there and get you buckets because I always felt like every time shot uh, every time Nash shot it was going to go in, but you're right, this is different because. As much as I appreciate Duncan, which I, I think it's pretty well on the record of how special I think he is, and he kind of gets hosed a little bit in some of these all-time rankings things Not for uh, himself. But Paul is the focal point. This isn't Paul being carried this is by. his team. Right, yeah. I mean, look, Booker can score more. And Bridges has these great moments. So, you know, what I love, too, is I don't know if it's a Paul thing or if it's Monty Williams, or maybe it's just the guys. They're bringing in the right guys. But, like, the Bridges will keep cutting the secondary cuts where he's like, I'm not giving up on the possession. I'm going to give you an out. You know, and if I don't get it, I'll make a cut again the next possession. I'm not going to sit there and be, like, pissed because I didn't get the ball the one time I cut, like some of these guys in the league. Aiton will chase. He'll run. I mean, he had a couple of plays when Jokic was still in the game where, like, Jokic was just a few steps behind him because Aiton got off a miss and ran the court, and, you know, he wasn't always getting those passes or some, some stretches in the middle of the year, and now he's getting them again. So, yeah, right. I mean, he's, he's the star of this show, even though the stats wouldn't say it, where, you know, even Garnett, you know, Garnett was being carried offensively by some of those other guys because even as Garnett got older, I mean, he was always a kind of a reluctant offensive player, even at his peak. Right. Um, and you weren't ever running your offense through Garnett because he didn't really want to do it that way.
0: But he was a lot like Chris, and like his personality became the personality yeah. of the team, and that was what was so interesting. I, you know, I went to a lot of those Clipper games and really was analyzing it and trying to wonder what was missing with it. And you know, I, I just don't think Blake and DeAndre and those guys, and honestly, Doc Rivers either kind of bought into the "this is Chris's team" thing the way the Suns team did. And it's not—I'm not placing blame. I just think those guys were at different points of their career, like Blake. Blake was convinced he was one and he didn't have reason not to think this, that he was one of the cornerstone, potentially one of the cornerstones of the league, that he was going to be one of the next big superstars we had. And I remember when, uh, when they got Chris and he got introduced first and then Blake got introduced last in the starting lineups. And I remember writing about it at the time, like, this is pretty interesting because really Chris should be introduced last, right? This is, he's way more accomplished than anyone on this team, but they were already worried about the Blake piece of this. Well, this is Blake's team and and they just were never able to navigate it. That team, you could see the dissension and the dysfunction on the court, whereas the Suns have no dysfunction at all. And maybe Chris got older. Maybe he knows, maybe maybe he's learned some lessons over the years, but um, I'm happy for him. The The other thing I was thinking was, how dumb the heat, the two Houston years seem now where it's like, just what a waste of two Chris Paul years to have them standing on the side where it's like camera hard and doing this dueling banjo. I know it worked. I know they won games, but I so much more enjoyed this version of Chris Paul where it's like, Oh, you're the best pure point guard we've had in the last 20 years. Like, this is great. Do this, make yeah, all the all other you, guys look- better.
1: All you have to do is watch Chris Paul over the course of his career and know that he, he had to have hated what they were doing in Houston, okay? Yes. Because he's like, because I had heard a story where Paul was like, people actually think I can't get past people off the dribble. Like, are you serious? Yeah. Like you think I'm to the point where I can't dribble past guys in this league? Like, that's bullshit. And he's like, the problem is if I have the ball, the other guy stops playing and everybody knows, like, they can help. And, you know, we've been over this before. Like some people were convinced that it was just Harden's brilliance and spacing. And you're like, no, when he's not in the play, he's just not in the play. You're four on five. So now all of a sudden Paul's going like, what are we, what's this? But it's Harden's team. And so you could see at times, like, remember that time when they were in, uh, they were in a timeout and they were kind of, look, guys go at it all the time. But like, it made it look like Paul was super difficult and Harden's like looking at him being like, what, what? And it's just, Paul... Knowing how much he loves movement, everyone kind of figuring out how they fit in. Like that just wasn't gonna be something we want to do. And they still won 65 games. And they still, you know, if Paul's healthy, probably get out of the get out of the West and, and maybe win a title. Who knows? That Cleveland team was really good. But what I I will never think they were gonna beat the Warriors that year. I know it would have yeah, been 3-2 or, or whatever, but I, I just no, feel no, like the
0: Warriors would have they would have <laughs> would have summoned it.
1: But look, I give it to Houston because, oh, they can't they can't play together. And, you know, the closing moments are different, but they staggered him beautifully. And I think that Daryl, I I think he deserves credit for even though there can be some usage rate guys where I'm like, what are you guys doing? I think Daryl was like, look, if the math says that this player is this per possession, like, why are we taking the ball away from him? You know, so let's just let our main guys have the basketball all the time. And they figured out a way to stagger those guys well enough. It almost and it worked. worked. Yeah, they and almost they, beat and an
0: iconic team.
1: They were smart defensively in that they go, we're going to be absurd with how we defend five, or we're going to defend three with five, and we're not going to care about the other guys. And you could see Golden State get really stuck there. So I don't know what would have happened because they would have been beating, you're right, a truly iconic team. But I also think it's worth mentioning that, you know, it's a bit like the Joe Frazier thing without the belt for Paul where you say for five years in the West, you're going up against Golden State, arguably the best five we've ever seen.
0: Well, in retrospect, bad career move, right? Because he, he had the chance to control his destiny. And this is where like chasing a title goes wrong. He chased a title, a little reminiscent of Barkley when Barkley tried to chase it with Hakeem and go to Houston. And it was just, it was never the right fit. It always felt a little weird, him and Hakeem together. The, uh, In retrospect, if he was going to get traded from the Clippers, I just wish he had gone. Going to the East might have been smarter. Um, Trying to get away from the Warriors for a couple years. I know that they succeeded in Houston and won 65. But for what he brings to the table, I just kind of, I wish we could do that over again. There's a bunch of things I would love to do over again with Chris's career. One of them is not him going to the Lakers, because I think that would have gone badly. But, um, you know, there was going back to 2005. There was that Paul Pierce, uh, Chris Paul trade where Chris could have ended up in Boston. There was other trades with him in 2010 and 11, and he was rumored to be going all over the place. And, um, he finally ended up on the right team. It's crazy at eight, at eight, what is he? 36? 36, 36, 36 in the leagues in the 2005 draft. And this is the first team I've ever seen him on where I'm like, this completely makes sense. I love this
1: uh, because even even those Clippers teams and they'd win a bunch of games. And, you know, Doc didn't gain many fans when he said basically Golden State was lucky because they're always healthy all the time. And you're like, look, they're also better than you guys, too. Yeah. All right. Stop. So there's that. But if you think of like a reluctant shooting Blake for the first half of his career, you know, Blake developed. uh a competent three point shot. You know, he developed that as part of his game, but I mean, it used to be kind of tough to watch just the indecision from Blake and not being comfortable. So now you have a Chris Paul who's kicking it back to a guy that doesn't necessarily want to shoot Deandre Jordan, who can't shoot. Well, and you, DeAndre but you Jordan's hold like on chasing, hold that point
0: though. You had, you had those two guys in the paint because Blake couldn't shoot yet.
1: So that's what I'm saying. So but now I mean, there,
0: but Chris had nowhere to go. He would go in there and those two, whoever was defending those two guys could just jump off on him and, and they thought it was the right thing. They were like, this is great. This is how you play basketball. And they didn't realize what the Suns have realized pretty quickly. is like, clear it out, send picks, double picks, all that stuff. I interrupted you. I'm sorry.
1: No, but I mean, think like Deion, how quickly the league shifted too, and that teams were falling over themselves to give DeAndre Jordan a max. Right. And it was a lot of it. And was now, he Chris Paul, he, right now. now he
0: can't play. Right. Seriously. Now he can't go on the floor. I have this to throw at you. The Chris Paul trade regret rankings. Okay. This is my list. I didn't consult you on this. Number one is Milwaukee on this podcast. When they made the drew holiday trade, you and I talked about that. We just would have rather had Chris Paul. Um, Chris Paul was sitting there. It would have cost a first and some, and some contracts, the Bledsoe Hill contracts, um, I think Chris was in a position where he could have decided what team to go to because he had a deal with Presti. It's been well-documented Presti was going to do right by him because Chris came after that Westbrook trade and was such an awesome teammate and threw himself into the experience in such a profound way that Presti was like, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to do right by you. And Chris wanted to eventually go to Phoenix. But I think Milwaukee was sitting there initially. I don't think it would have been that, pricey and and we said this at the time I was on the record that I would rather have had Chris Paul than do all the picks that I gave up for Drew Holiday and I think they could have done it
1: yeah whatever the price ends up being for the Drew trade which still is significant and we all like Drew Holiday we all like Drew Holiday you can sit there and say hey he's 31 and Paul's always hurt and all this stuff so I can kind of get it but I would have imagined if you look at the prices paid for both players if you could have paid less for Chris Paul um
0: It's not just less, though, Ryan. It's like six picks less. Yeah, it's dramatically
1: less. Yeah. And you could
0: have used those six picks to try to get the fourth guy. Maybe that's, now you try to get Beal or whoever with with the rest of the picks or whoever's available and and keep adding. So, I think that's, I, I thought at the time, and I think so now, I just thought it was a safer move by them. But they were enamored with Drew. And
1: maybe we're putting Paul with like 2010 Blake and Giannis.
0: Maybe. Uh, they're my number one. Number two is Miami, who had a couple bites at this Apple, right? Heading into the 2018-20 season. You can go back and read these stories because I did it earlier. And it was like they had the Dragic. He would have been an expiring contract. They had another expiring. And they basically, they could have thrown some expiring contracts together with a first and gotten Chris. They would have had to probably throw
1: in one of the young shooters, though, Duncan or Hero. I I don't
0: think... Not in 2019, because remember he didn't have the same kind of trade. Oh, in 19, yeah, 19. No, yeah, I mean stuff about would OKC have to attach picks to Chris? Yeah, yeah, right. No, that's why I kind of laugh about how
1: much a market can change in 12 months. But that you were attaching assets to Paul to get Westbrook's contract. Like, think about that out loud.
0: Well, and we all love playoff dragage, but if you put the Chris that we saw in OKC last year on Miami's team.
1: The Lakers higher. front line still crushes
0: them. Yeah, the Lakers still win the title in six. Uh, but then this year they also had a chance to get him. I think it would have been a little more complicated. I think Hero might have had to have been involved. Um, at the time, I think maybe they're, and I would include myself. I think our opinions of Hero are probably higher. Yeah. But, <laughs> I but think everyone's I think it's safe more. to say. Yeah,
1: I think it's safe that we've we've adjusted what we think of Tyler Hero a year later.
0: So I have Miami too. I don't think for this year, I think for 19, it's a legitimate thing because I think they could have stolen them. And, and I think people are really, if you go back and read all the articles, it was all about everybody wanted to keep the cap space for Giannis in 2021. Got to keep it open. Well, Giannis signed an extension that became stupid immediately. So I have them second. I have the Knicks third. Cause I knew you were going to bring up the Knicks. Well, they could have stolen them a year ago for nothing. We, we, you go back and read the articles. It was like, ah, I'm not sure we can give up Kevin Knox. <laughs> and and uh, I just think they could have could have swiped them. And they had this out of cap space. And just flip Derek Rose for Chris Paul this year with all the other pieces they have. I, they're not winning the title, but it's a more interesting team. I wonder how much pushback he would
1: have had, though, going to the Knicks, going, who am I going to play with? You know, at least you can look at Booker. You could look at eight, and I mean, I don't know how tuned in Paul was to Bridges, but you're right. I mean, he and Presti, because of how he handled himself, and he just took that franchise over last year, I think Presti felt like, hey, i got to make sure. Because I, I had heard a story, too. It was like, you want to try to run this back one more time or something? And it was like, right. no. No, we're no good. thank you. Like, yeah. like, I did everything he asked of me, and I didn't take a ton of time off either. Like, I took it seriously. And, you know, hell, they still almost won a first-round series last year. The Knicks won. I'd agree they should have done it. Because anyway. I think sometimes the GM job, we make it more, more comp. I think it's way harder than than people do. That's why I'll, I'll kind of be like, well, you know, you did this and it didn't work. But they did this because of this reason and this reason and this reason. And the rest of the options weren't that great. But then on the other side of it, you could also be like, what's the debate in the room when you're like, hey, do you want to get Chris Paul? No. <laughs> you know, like, think about it. Just think about it that simply going, do we want to add this? Because, again, you just have to pay 90% of the cap anyway. So you're saving your cap space on a short term. And that's why it'll be really interesting as this continues to see what he gets when he opts out.
0: Well, Leon and Wes, he had that whole thing with the Knicks too. I think the Knicks right. were sitting there because there was a moment where it was unclear if Phoenix was going to put in a pick. And if they didn't put in the pick, I think the Knicks could have pounced. But um, yeah, look, if they make the finals.
1: Gets in Nitalikina's or- development though, it gets in his way.
0: Well, I know Knox and Nitalikina, They they just said, no, pick other guys on the roster. If they make the finals though, Chris is going to tear up his contract and probably go like three for 90, something crazy. He'll <laughs> be It's about more money. We were always talking about that $44 million option. Oh my God. It's so, that's the worst contract in the league. And he'll, he'll be signing for longer than that. I have one more team in the regret rankings. They probably don't even know they're on the list. Why wouldn't New Orleans have made a play for him last year? Why couldn't everything that's happening with Phoenix right now have happened with New Orleans?
1: I thought there was a little bit more of a kicking on the tires than than you're suggesting, um, but I, you know, I don't know, I don't know how formal that is. Just
0: how about this: Chris Paul, Drew Holiday, Zion, and Brandon Ingram with just some rotating big men. I'm pretty sure that team would have been successful. Okay, But what are you
1: giving? Are you giving up Lonzo? You got to figure out where the salary. I mean, you got to give up somebody here.
0: Yeah, I think you have to give up Lonzo. <sighs> Maybe they Etuan didn't have the Moore. contract. They had Would they ha- would have had to get to like 40? Maybe they didn't have the contract. I might no, be I mean, wrong.
1: then 25% of the numbers, so they didn't have to get to 40. But uh, I'd have to look at it. I'd have to yeah, look at it and see the, the, the salaries were coming but in. But I was
0: trying to think, was there another team that was kind of sitting there that could have been Phoenix, right? Who had some good young players. We never thought of them as a playoff team. And then Chris showed up and now they're in the final four. And New Orleans is the only other team from a talent standpoint. And then you could argue, I don't have them in the regret rankings, but if the Celtics had pulled off some sort of Kemba <laughs> Kemba, Chris something. I was <laughs> waiting for this. I, just, I don't think it was on the team.
1: I have a question for you now, though. When you look at the East, would the Celtics be the favorite if they're still around?
0: Do I? Ha- who do I have? I have everybody on the team? I'm just, healthy? I'm just, me-
1: I'm just messing with do you. Do I have a healthy Kemba? It's still Kemba? a no. It's still a no.
0: Is Robert Williams healthy?
1: Robert Williams is healthy, and Fournier's locked in. He found <laughs> is Fournier. A, he,
0: Fournier no COVID. Fournier.
1: Yeah, he found a townhouse. He feels comfortable with. It's close to everything. It's close to CVS, and Duncan.
0: I have a couple other just notes from Phoenix, Denver. Um, the Aaron Gordon thing was a debacle. Do you want the to look at his numbers real quick? The defense was good. The Eight, offense right. answered our question of. Wow, I wonder what Aaron Gordon would look like on a, a team that knew what it was doing. Well, we found out.
1: He had eighteen in game one, six four <laughs> in games two and three. He had he had eight, I think, for the game tonight. He had four points when the game still kind of mattered. He is uh, a different limited <laughs> offensive player when he's not allowed to just kind of take possessions over because Orlando didn't have anybody else to get in his way.
0: Right when is that when he can't go Jeremy Grant because his team sucks, and yeah. it's like, oh no, I have to. There was a couple of really, really aggressively bad post-ups that brought, for some reason, brought back Antoine Walker flashbacks for me. The hardest he Gordon. tried
1: tonight is when he wanted to get a technical on somebody from Phoenix. Where yeah. Chris Paul spiked the basketball, and he, like, darted over the ref. Why? Well, right, what
0: did you think of the Jokic ejection? He's the fucking best best regular season player in the league. I'm not sending him packing on that play. We'd like. Get, treat him the same as you would LeBron and Durant. And LeBron wouldn't get tossed on that. No like, way. Get the fuck out of here. Like, at some point, the superstars have to be treated a tiny bit differently. We treat LeBron too differently. But there's there should be some sort of leeway with the best guys. And this is—Jokic just doesn't have a history of being a dick like that. I mean, it was definitely a violent play. But he was going for the ball. He hit the ball. I think it seemed like his arm kind of br- brushed Payne's nose, which was accidental and is a horseshit call. They're playing for their season. I hated
1: the ejection. And, you know, I've seen guys not get ejected. It was clear he was mad because he didn't get a call. Then he hits him. And then, even though it wasn't like flush, Reggie Miller, even in the beginning, he's like, What are you talking about? That's all ball. And you're like, Or you got to remember like somebody the size of Jokic swiping down on you, a guy that big. It, yeah. He doesn't have to be flush. Yeah. to For it to hurt. Um, And then pain is down in a in a just a pile. So if pain gets up earlier, yeah, pain gets up earlier. It's probably just a one, and that's unfortunately what everything is. It's the landing and the reaction after the hit. I don't like it. I don't like it if it's not Jokic. I seriously like. I just don't think it's a violent play. If it's Patrick
0: Beverly, I'm throwing him out. Because he's got Well, yeah, okay,
1: but if he has a history where he's diving at people's feet the entire time or running into people, if you watch Beverly for five minutes away from the ball, you're like, I can't believe this guy isn't fined all the time. He like, just be watch in the Beverly- playoffs.
0: He's in the wrong right. playoffs. He should be in the NHL he's playoffs. He's Brad
1: Marchand in-, yeah. in high tops.
0: Right. Oh, Marchand's so, better. Marchand's true. an incredible offensive player. No, I, I agree. I agree. Um, Crowder, who all these free agent exception guys and he became the best one by far. But I was like, man, this guy's been in a lot of playoff games. Can you guess how many playoff games he's been in since 2017? Off top since of 2017? Head, the 16-17 playoffs. So 16, 2017, 2017 playoffs.
1: I'll say 65. Uh,
0: Did you look that up? That's the no. exact number. It's 65. <laughs> <laughs> wow. There's yeah, something makes sense. to be said for like, hey, that guy's been in 65 playoff games, and so I definitely didn't look like, it up. By the
1: way, I know you think I impressive. did. All right, my hands um, are right here.
0: To, but to be like, yeah, that guy's played in playoff games against LeBron James, who's in the finals last year. Like, that guy's not really, not really sweating out this Game Four clincher against Denver, and the fact that you can go small ball four with him next to his center. Or you can play him like, and he can shoot threes. He's not afraid. He's a little tough. Like it's weird we didn't value him more in the free agency. I like you look at it. And you're like, why didn't that guy get like 45 for three from somebody? That was so hard to find guys like that.
1: Would you agree? Though he's had a couple runs over the years where it was sort of disappointing. Though, like yeah, he was had with a bad Boston. Taste in your mouth, yeah, yeah. And then remember, it was like, oh, don't get guys after Brad Stevens. Back when Brad Stevens was the mm. greatest coach of all time, like yeah, there was this concern. Days. This is so post much post-Brad Stevens experience where
0: God, Brad was just so, so
1: amazing that everybody get you know, he maximized everybody's skills. So I think some Utah fans would probably tell you, like, Jay Crowder, Jay Crowder, you know. So I think he had a few little dips along the way, but he played so well last year that you would have thought, you know, maybe the market be a little bit stronger, three and D guy. I mean, we know uh thirty-two. Thirty. Thirty. All right.
0: Yeah, young guy.
1: Marquette Been guys, guys always games. I always think they're older.
0: Um, why do you think Ayton has gotten so good at avoiding foul trouble? I thought the the Denver Phoenix eras, I was like, well, Denver will win two, because you know Ayton will get three fouls in two minutes. He actually had fouls tonight. In but the he but he somehow learned he knows how to play in foul trouble, which I think is such an underrated big they guy left, skill.
1: They left him in in one of the Phoenix games with two. Yeah. Early. Early and I went, Whoa, like that's that's saying something. Uh I think the biggest thing with Jokic is if you don't go for the up fakes, you can probably survive. Um Right. He just, just he right. kept
0: moving, he kept his hands up. Interestingly, in the last year in the playoffs, that's kind of what Dwight and Davis did too, right? They just kind of keep their hands up, they keep moving, they don't kind of go for anything and they they almost don't want to get roped into a foul. But they just keep use length, and it bothered him a little bit. I mean, he still had awesome stats in the stairs. He had a twenty two and eleven tonight. It hurt his uh, career playoff stats, but he was still getting his stuff. It was just harder. At least they were making him work.
1: Yeah, he was. He's amazing. You could, yeah. He's he is amazing. He's I don't amazing.
0: His they team get was so swept, bad. I think that swept, he had
1: right. I don't. I'm serious, man. Like I don't. There's if you're doing the. Jokic sucks deal tomorrow like I'm sorry like I just can't
0: well you know our guy Coward you know what his nine o'clock lead's going to be in the PT well tomorrow. I
1: could see his tweet he said Chris Paul is making a mockery of the MVP and, and oh, Coward and I called was getting- me <laughs> yeah he Coward called me this weekend but I was playing hoops so I I didn't pick oh, up no. and I thought I thought for sure I was like I'm getting his Monday open right now and I, I already know it's coming look hey I'm the biggest fucking Chris Paul guy going yeah and you are. I'm telling you He was not the MVP.
0: He wasn't the MVP. Yeah, he wasn't. (laughs) He wasn't. We we can't do the thing where the playoffs has validated whatever you thought the regular season with one exception, the 1998 finals when it was ludicrous that, or 1997 finals, when it was ludicrous that Carl Malone won the MVP and then we just got to play it out in the form of of an ass kicking. Did you like Evil Jokic? Do you think he should pursue this? Wrestling heel Jokic? Do you think he should get like a facial hair goatee thing going and really a couple, couple tattoos that just make him seem more menacing. Should he take this further? I didn't like when he apologized to campaign. Go, go the other way. Jokic. I liked when he
1: was saying to Booker, what are you going to do? And he said it over and over and over again. And I think there was some spittle. It wasn't yeah, a direct I spit, but I, there was one spittle moment there that I thought was, was probably tough to be on the other side of that. But it's just one of those deals, like kind of like when a corner gets into it with a tackle, and the tackles like, hey, look, like you're probably you know strong and think you're tough and everything, but I'm a left tackle, and I'll like I said, if I get my hands on you, I'll destroy you. And I think Jokic, like nobody wants to look like a punk, but when Jokic is from Serbia, basically spitting on you, looking down, and you'd be like, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do over and over again? There just be there must be some moments when you're seven feet and you're enormous that you can just be like, look, like. Yeah, I know. No one thinks I never have to fight, so I my punches aren't great. But like, I'm a, I'm a huge human being.
0: It was great. Booker was there. Was that extra two seconds where he was like, "Oh shit, I thought some other guys were coming in." <laughs> like, <where's>, <laughs> <laughs> this guy's he's, so mad at me. Is there? He's is waiting for his, anywhere.
1: His road security guy to knock Jokic out of the way. That oh was so weird with Durant and PJ Tucker. Because when I was watching it live, I go wait, is there a guy at the Bucks arena that pushed P.J. Tucker? And then I was, then we all realized after the fact it's Kevin Durant's personal security guy. Crazy. But it was... Because it looked like, wait, he just got pushed out of the way by a guy that ran out of the court. And then, of course, after the fact, you're like, yeah, he's not going to be working anymore. We're like, okay, that, seems, that he is, seems like the right decision. He
0: will not be at the arena anymore. Um, all right, we're going to take a break. And we'll try to rip through the rest of these storylines in 20 minutes. This episode is brought to you by simply safe summer is all about fun vacations, but I know that being away from home can be stressful. So many things can happen. That's why I like to recommend simply safe award winning security that can help give you peace of mind when you're away. The only thing you should worry about while you're on vacation is having too much fun. I have it in my home. It's great. Couldn't work better. I think simply safe is the best because it comes with a variety of indoor and outdoor cameras, sensors to detect break-ins, fires, floods, and more. It's backed by 24-7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day. It's given me, my family, many others real peace of mind. I'm waiting to have it too. Try it out. A 60-day money-back guarantee. No contracts right now. Get 20% off any Simply Safe system with Fast Protect Monitoring at simplysafe.com slash BS. That is Simply Safe with two S. SimplySafe.com slash BS. There's no safe like Simply Safe. or its affiliates. All right, we're back. Did we do enough Chris Paul? I thought I thought. Yeah, we'd I we devoted enough time. It. We're at the 47-minute mark here. Clips, Utah. I don't know why it took the Clips three games to realize the right lineups to play in this series. I, I don't understand it. They've spent, what, $20 million a year in their front office, and it took them two full games to be like, oh, we should go small. Maybe Terrence Mann should play a little bit. Um, maybe we should just, just fly around on defense with a smaller lineup and put the ball in Paul. Poly- like, I do think they've unlocked it. If Mitchell is not a hundred percent, that's good for them too. I My only point on this series, it feels like it officially starts tomorrow night and I'm psyched because I'm going to be there, but I think this was three games of feeling out and tomorrow night, the series starts. And here's the thing with the NBA, they're going to need um, at least one of these series to go to, Seven. It could be Bucks Nets, I guess. Although if Kyrie's out, <laughs> that series might be ending faster than we thought. But I, this to me just feels like a seven game series. Do you ever just watch a series and go, all right, this is gonna be seven? I yeah, feel like this all the is time. a seven gamer. Am I wrong?
1: No, and you know, I think the Clippers thing here, as as I've mentioned a bunch of times, like. You know, you wonder, will this guy check out? Will this guy be comfortable in a tight spot? I mean, they're down 2 0. They're down 3 1, and they got through it. They came back, and, you know, Kawhi played a brilliant game six. Marcus Morris was really good in seven as well. Um, surprising. So it, it seems like they've abandoned the Rondo thing. And I don't, I don't love, you know, sometimes we can be a little too deliberate when we'll just be like, oh, this coach is an idiot because he didn't do this. I don't understand the Beverly minutes over Terrence Mann. Man played eight he minutes and one minute in the previous two games. And man at this stage is just better offensively than Beverly is.
0: I would and, argue he's better defensively too, because you don't have to worry about him committing a flagrant foul or doing something that's going to swing the momentum in the game because, you know, all of a sudden the other team's shooting four free throws because your guy decided to check somebody into the scorers table.
1: Yeah, it's always a concern, but I think Beverly has a lot of that drain on in him where you know, you say like, why do you have to do all these other things? And it's like, he just can't, his whole career, his whole game is dictated on him doing those things. And Beverly's the same way. Like no one thought I was good enough. And that's where I think he plays with his resentment. I think he's a very dirty player. I don't even think it's debatable. I think but he's the dirtiest
0: guy in the league right now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Like he is. Um, but man is just better offensively. And I, you know, I think, now, Beverly can. I would think it would be exhausting to continue to do all the stuff you would do if you were Patrick Beverly, where man, to your point, is kind of just out there playing. So they've gone small, and when Gobert isn't in there, they attack the hell out of favors. They were way better on their doubles with Mitchell, where Mitchell was doing damn. I mean, that first game, some of the shit he was doing against the doubles where he was splitting them was so good. And mm-hmm. I think it's to every one of the Clippers' credit that they showed a level of intensity that they can get to, but did they only show that level because they were desperate and down 2-0? Maybe. And then Mitchell on the ankle thing, you saw him kind of split, and you're like, oh, no, like, what's going to happen here? Um, and then, you know, there's still no Conley, and I was reading today, like, he could be there for four or maybe miss the entire se- or series. You just don't know, so I, I don't I don't have any info on it, any of that kind of stuff. Um, but, yeah, I, I think this series feels like seven games because I, I don't think like the Clippers all of a sudden just figured it all out because they're going to go small and now they're not going to lose any because Paul George was really good in three and I'd expect a bad, bad Paul George game again. I'm going to ask you a question though. Do you know how many times since these two guys have been together, how many times Kawhi and Paul George have both scored 30 in a game?
0: Like 22? Five. Oof. Really? Two.
1: Yeah. Game three was the second time this year.
0: That's weird. I don't think that's, they're a good fit together.
1: I just don't. I just don't think George is consistent enough. I mean, it's okay to have two wings who can have the basketball. Like, I actually think you'd still want that. Um, but then Ibaka, you know, like another part of this Clippers thing, too, is to not have Ibaka for any of it. Now he's done. Well, um, you, that's plus huge, that was your
0: mid-level guy. Like, even if yeah, they right. sign Crowder, that's, that's at least exactly. he's playing. I have some Fando odds for you. Okay. Utah is minus 184 to win the series. Clippers are plus 154. Clips are plus 390 to win in seven. Jazz are plus 250 to win in seven. Clips are plus 410 to win in six. If we You like the going, Clippers. You,
1: you're picking the Clippers, I can just tell.
0: I, I got to say, sometimes I really believe in this stuff. As you know, I'm a karma guy. I believe in ghosts. I believe in weird shit. It it really felt real to me today that Chris could end up playing the Clippers to go to the finals. It felt like that was the destiny of all of this. The Lakers, Davis getting hurt when he did. Um, Jamal Murray going down two months ago. There's all these weird things that are pushing Chris toward this thing that has eluded him with all the bad luck he's had. And the last piece would be going against the Clippers in round three. I just fit in my head. It just makes too much sense. And here's the thing with Chris and the Clippers. He's the best Clipper ever. And it's not close. He's the greatest LA Clipper of all time. The Clippers do not have a retired number. They've been, they moved from the Braves to San Diego in 77. They spent, I think, seven years in San Diego. They moved to LA in 1984. They do not have a retired number. Chris is the best player they've ever had. Blake Griffin's the second best player they've ever had. Kawhi is the third. He's only been with the team two years. Um, but Chris is the best Clipper ever. And if you want to go further, like he legitimized the franchise. They were a fucking joke. They had Donald Sterling as an owner. They never won anything. They only had one good year in 30, 35 years before he showed up in 2006 when they lost him round two. And the Clipper fans talked about that two thousand six team like it was the 86 Red Sox. Um, (laughs) <laughs> and he comes in and he, and he completely legitimized them. And even though Lab City, we look back at it now, is disappointing and all this. And they 2014-15, the they, they choked both years. At least they were playing for a title. They were in the mix. They had a chance. This is the only time in the history of the team that they were like that. And now they're like that again this year. And now Chris would be going against them. And I think it would be fucking cool. I'm into it.
1: You might be right. I'm still staying with Utah, unless Mitchell's really banged
0: up. I don't think Mitchell's healthy. I didn't like what I saw the other night. That to me seemed like more than just "oh, I tweaked my ankle again." I d- I think he was managing
1: eighty percent pain, seventy eight.
0: Oh, you want me to do it?
1: I always want you to do it.
0: <sighs> I'm going to say eighty one percent.
1: Yeah, sounds right. Feels right.
0: Felt like about 86, 87% at some point there in game three, but then I think it dipped off. I don't think he's healthy. And I'll tell you this Kyrie was in a walking boot and crutches after the game, as reported by Rachel Nichols. Did you see the owner's quote? Yeah. It made it seem like Kyrie's out.
1: Yeah. That's how I read it. I mean, it was kind of weird that. but again if a guy's out he's out you know you you can pretend and keep it a secret for 48 hours and if he's not ready to go then he's not ready to go so I think people spend too much energy on this stuff but his the owner's quote was basically like we will not rush Harden back for Kyrie and you were like oh okay because
0: Kyrie so they showed the replay and I was as somebody I'm sure you what was you must have had at least one horrible sprained ankle playing basketball right
1: oh yeah I mean so it's, it also is the time when it's not, well, whatever. Nobody wants to hear about our injuries and pick up hoops. So I'll just keep it moving.
0: Well, the thing is when they showed the replay and his foot bent and it was like, Oh, that, the way it bent, that, that'll be all right. And then there was one last piece to when it bent where all of a sudden it was his, the top, his toe is going toward his body. And I was like, Oh, Oh, that's like the, the you're just not playing on that. You're not coming back from that. And if you come back, you're going to be like Isaiah in the 88 finals where it's like, you're basically playing on one leg. They have a whole bunch of science. Now I, they didn't say if it was, I don't think it was a high ankle sprain. I think it was a low ankle sprain. They have a whole bunch of science. Now they can do the electrodes for 24 hours. They can do all that shit. You're still not playing four days from now at more than 75%. Just no way. And you think about how footwork oriented he is and how technically brilliant he is and how much his feet are a part of everything, if you're compromising that, he's just not the same guy. He's a three-point shooter and he's not going to be able to drive.
1: No, and he's obviously like he would have been, because there are times you'll see a guy turn it and it kind of bounces back perfectly and it scares the shit out of you more than it actually hurts. That and was not this. That was not, no, no. You're not going to be in a boot and crutches if it was like, no, nah, it gave me a good scare, but uh, I'm just going to be in a boot and crutches over here. So yeah, that sucks. Because, you know, look, everybody knows we're not the biggest Kyrie guys, but I I still kind of love watching him play. Oh, my God. Locked in. I, so, I, look, I mean, give me I a was, break.
0: It looked like today before he got hurt, it looked like we were about to have like a Kyrie run. And I was like, look, like, he's my least favorite basketball player. I was here for it. I was like, let's go. Let's watch this. Now, granted, I'd bet on the Nets. But,
1: um, <laughs> <laughs> but for the series or just game four?
0: Yeah. Look, I don't. I don't hate any basketball player. I still Uh, I no, I hates us. I don't hate any athlete. But um, you know, it's Lambeer. You liked Lamb. I kinda hated Lambert. You're right. I hated Lambert. Lambert's the one guy. Oh, and Elf Samuelson. Those are my two. Yeah. Um and Paul O'Neill, I I hated his guts as well. I guess so, so there's three. I really hated Paul O'Neill.
1: Wait, is Paul O'Neill your least favorite Yankee ever? Yeah,
0: I fucking hated that guy. You know what I hated more about Paul O'Neill than just hating him? How the Yankee fans, and I'm sure John Jastrzemski will listen to this and text me, but the Yankee fans were like, oh, fucking Paul O'Neill is the fucking best. Like they just they sang his virtues in a way that really bugged me. It was like, all right, he's a two ninety hitter. Settle down. I,
1: I hated seen, a lot of those Mets a lot, like Wally Backman and Oh, and, that's yeah. Yeah. And Ray Knight and oh like Ray so Knight many of those, Ray Knight, yeah, all those guys I hated. That was like my first. That was like me being Luke Skywalker hanging out with the Emperor, where he's like, "Let it flow through you," you know. And I just was like, it was the first time I ever felt real hatred for an opposing team because I just was like, I hate all these guys. And um, yeah, that was I uh, hated I was, hated Kareem. You know who I didn't like as a Yankee was Scott Brocius Annoyed me. You want to yeah. know why? Because like he came over, he had like he hadn't been good at all, and then he was really good for him and it drove me crazy cuz i was like oh this is exactly what the yankees need on top of all the other guys they have they just add scott brochus who nobody really wanted and he fits in perfectly so yeah no nothing personal with scott brochus but that was you know my my wrote, peak yeah my peak unhealthy years were those late 90s early 2000s and then once i was in the business i just it, stuff just bothered me a lot less
0: i wrote a column once about the concept of sports hate it's fun to hate certain athletes you don't really hate them you don't hope something horrible happens to them yeah I wouldn't like run into
1: Scott Brocious and be mean.
0: Right. But it was really fun to sports hate this Nets team, the way they're put together and the whole thing. But at the same time, like you're watching them. And when they were on, it was just beautiful to watch. Like when when Kyrie or Durant would get going, um, you know, there's nobody like those two guys and they're not replicable. So um, it'll be, I saw Perkins, um, Perkins tweeted, I was like I actually went on Twitter because I was looking for Kyrie info. And Perkins tweeted, KD has a chance to have a really, really special game five. Right? Like from a historic standpoint. One of the great ones. I feel like KD's legacy is secure no matter what happens in this series. But I did also didn't disagree with the point because Game Five will be KD against the Bucks. And they have P.J. Tucker to throw at him. They have Giannis to throw at him. They have Middleton to throw at him. They can trap him. They can put Drew Holiday on him. They have four really intriguing different types of defenders to just rotate on him constantly. And if Joe Harris doesn't show up and he doesn't have another shooter he can trust, it's going to be really hard for him to navigate. But at the same time, I think he's the best player in the world. And I think he's going to figure it out.
1: See, this is where I mean, it goes without saying, but like this is the problem now because when you had Harden, you have a ball-initiating offensive player, right, who can dribble, yep. who can set people up, can shoot. Kyrie, uh, not the exact same thing, but checks the boxes for all of those things, can initiate the offense, can dribble, can can keep a possession alive when everything's broken down and figure and out some kind streaks, of angle and some path. And can have an eight-point
0: okay? streak in two minutes.
1: So now you have Durant, where and look, Perkins' tweet is fine. There are other tweets out there where this is the part of NBA Twitter that sucks, is somehow then it becomes like, well, if Durant can't do this, then that means this, this, and this. And you're like, you know what? Just, no. can we give it a couple hours here? Can we give it a couple hours? And... Blake is not a ball initiating player anymore. Joe Harris, although has a little bit more well roundedness to his game, you know, kind of like when people think Seth Curry just stands in the corners. Like, no, actually, Seth can put it on the floor a little bit more. But still, that's asking a lot. Brown is not a guard. Jeff Green is a catch and shoot guy. Uh, Claxton is not a ball initiating player. Mike James actually is probably a little bit too much. Are you going to go Tyler Johnson? Are we going to see Luwalu Cabarro here? Shamit's a catch guy. So now you you're gonna ask Durant to carry this team offensively without like a really good guard to set him up. But here's so, here's the thing, though. That's that's asking a lot.
0: Here's what people don't realize and they don't factor in with stuff like what happened today. You these teams they have a game plan, they know what they're gonna do, they have their rotations planned out and all that. You lose Kyrie in that point in the game when you lose it we talked about in part one, they seem shell-shocked for like a half hour because it's like, yeah. holy shit, like, did we just lose the title? So they're dealing with that. On the other hand, you're also, you're you're kind of refiguring out a game plan on the fly. You're on the road, you're playing a team that was playing pretty well. Um, and, I, you know, now they have two days to actually come up with a game plan if it's just going to be built around Durant. They didn't have that luxury as the game is going on, you know, so... Look, their their shooters are going to have to show up. They're going to have to take a lot of threes and basically do what Milwaukee did today. Milwaukee just took a shitload of threes. What did they end up with? Over 50? Like they were fucking chucking them up.
1: Yeah, because, they were hitting them.
0: Because virtually. they were like, look, our offense was awful. Um, we, we couldn't have looked worse. Our points per possession was a disaster. Let's just shoot more threes. And they did. I think at one point in the first half, they had like 26 or something.
1: But um, look, as great as Duran is, and we're in agreement here, it's it's asking a lot of anyone to have to set it all up himself and then win a game. You know, I mean, there are guys that do it, but. I, you know, I, I just the rest of that team isn't exactly somebody you're passing it to and asking them to create on their own. That's well, what say- I'm saying.
0: Well, and uh, on top of that, if they're going to let the Bucs do the stuff they did in game three and four, he's not going to be able to win the game by himself because the physicality they had, there's no way to let it, be. They, they won't call it
1: like that. They won't because it'll be such a big deal between now and yeah. game five.
0: They have to I, lobby I, for those calls now exactly. for the next 48 hours. The thing is, Tucker played it brilliantly. He was really physical first play on. This is an old Chris Paul trick. I'm going to be really physical right now. And if you don't call it right now, I get to do this for the rest of the game. And that's what Tucker did. Tucker did in game three, too. I'm going to be right in this guy's jersey. I'm going to be really physical. And, oh, we cool, you're not calling it? Great. And then that's it. So I, th- I agree with you. I think they will call it in game five. I wonder, we don't think the NBA rigs this stuff. If you're the NBA, isn't it better for you if Milwaukee wins this series?
1: Um, no. Market wise alone. I'm not talking about
0: market wise. I'm talking about fans, narratives, um, instead of like, oh, look, any, any three guys can throw together a championship team. And then, you know, basically two of them quit on the teams they were on as the season was going. And now, um, now you win the title versus like Giannis homegrown star signed an extension, smile on his face the whole time, got over the hump and now it's like the last piece is now he's in the finals and this is like a bigger level of stardom, right? And then on the foot on the west side, Chris Paul is the greatest narrative of all time. Like Chris Paul being in the finals would be the greatest thing that happened for the NBA this year cuz it would just be a Chris Paul love fest for 2 weeks. I would say within the league, he's probably the most liked player.
1: So, yeah, but Milwaukee's Everything you said is fine. You know what I mean? Like what should happen? What should be rewarded? Who should win? I'm just talking and all that kind of stuff. But um, to have an evil major market team like Brooklyn, if Brooklyn is considered evil, which I think there'd be a lot of people rooting against them. Yeah. um, I think that would probably draw the most secondary eyeballs to it.
0: So you think Brooklyn Phoenix would be your best? If it's Vince McMahon is figuring this out, he would pick Brooklyn Phoenix.
1: Well, he'd probably pick Clippers Phoenix, wouldn't he? Or Clippers uh Brooklyn. Hmm.
0: Phoenix is Phoenix has to make it now. The Chris Paul thing, I think, could be the dominant.
1: Do you think you there's know. enough people though? Like we we're the wrong people to ask this stuff, but it's always about the secondary, the tertiary viewer. Are there enough people drawn to the Chris Paul story that somebody who isn't normally watching the finals? Because as much as I love him, I, I think that's a bit of a reach. I think it's a great storyline for us and for NBA people. I just don't know that, like, is somebody's girlfriend going, oh, I want to watch Chris Paul now. They do that with LeBron. They do it with Steph. Um, I'm going to make one of the best points I've
0: ever made on this podcast right now.
1: Well, I can't wait. I'm not going anywhere.
0: (laughs) Here's what you're discounting. I think a lot of people know him from the State Farm ads. I think he has a weird, crazy level of fame from those ads. I think those are the most effective. Ad. I'm not just saying this because State Farm has has done a lot of stuff with this podcast. I think those ads are incredibly successful and effective. And somebody like my daughter, who knows nothing, would be like, "Oh, Chris Paul, Cliff Paul." Like, he so has- she's gonna watch. She's gonna watch for two and a half hours I, because of the State I just Farm think ad. she likes Chris Paul from those ads. It makes no sense, but I think no, there's a lot of people that really point. like him from
1: those ads. It's a fair point. I just I don't know I don't know if that's enough. Like if you were on the Bachelor, yeah, no doubt.
0: Listen, Phoenix. If you're going Phoenix, Utah, or the Clippers, Phoenix is by far the best option of those three for like big market who fans care about. They, they, nobody knows what to make of this Clippers team. It's not like there's people like oh man, can't wait to run it back with Kawhi.
1: If Brooklyn were healthy, though, I think not just Brooklyn because Clippers the Brooklyn for par, basketball, yeah, yeah, but also you would have so many people rooting against the Nets, but they would watch it. Right. You know, that's, that's the difference. That is the difference with any of these sporting events. And it's why baseball struggled so much is you have to care about the outcome of a story. And it's why the F1 thing is picked up with a bunch of us that watched the three seasons on Netflix because now I actually care about these guys a little bit.
0: But I think Chris Paul, they can market it that way where it's like, this is one of... One of the best players of his generation, one of the best twenty-five players ever. This was an odyssey for this guy to try to make the finals, and he's made it. And we are going to make you care about this over the next two weeks. Hey, I hope so. Look, I hope I, so. Look, no I hope so. I'm not like sure that. though. Giannis would be the other one where it's like this kid from the streets of Greece r- rose up the ranks, um, first round pick. Nobody expected anything. Um. And now he's here, and he's the face of this league. He's the globalization; it goes through him. They could do that whole thing. Milwaukee Phoenix plus coin flip. The rematch. Heads was heads was Lou. No Cinder. one. No Tails one. was Neil like six, Walk.
1: It'd be Don't you and it. Charles Pierce
0: listen, tweeting about it. Listen, people listening at home, Google Neil Walk. The guy had like a full sheet of back hair. He, he was like one of the hairiest guys in the history of the league. He was a center. I would compare him to like, I don't know, like Frank Kaminsky, like kind of level of talent. And that was the the consolation prize to the Kareem lottery. Kareem was the third best player of all time, or second. You see or LeBron in the two or three spot. And the tails was Neil Walk. And that's how the Sun started everything. And you now all these years later, they can make it. I'm into That'd it. be a good, if you were still on countdown, that would be a good little segment for you. Yeah. I think, I think everyone would have just stared at me kind of in horror and just (laughs) waited to throw it to another thing. Uh, we didn't talk about Philly at all. And this podcast is about to come to an end, but we have to, because nobody is more excited right now than Sixers fans. Milwaukee fans, even though they have a chance to win this series for all the reasons we let out in part one, there's there, they still know, they know that this team is not running on all cylinders. They know that they don't have a bench. They know that there's some real offensive struggle shit going on. And even if they get by Brooklyn, it'll be more because Brooklyn had two major injuries. Like, I'll just say this for any Milwaukee fan that would come at us if they lost Chris Middleton 43 seconds into the series and then Drew Holiday in the second quarter of game four, would Milwaukee beat Brooklyn? The answer is no.
1: and, And imagine both those guys are even better.
0: Right. So the answer is no, you wouldn't win the series. You, you caught an unbelievable break here with two injuries that now you have a chance to win, but if you're Philly and you're, you, I guess you're healthy. I don't, I don't know what to make of this and beat thing, but he's playing, um, Danny green's they, out, Danny green's out. On the other hand, that means more tribal, my guy, but, um, I, I don't want to write off Atlanta yet because I could see them hitting like 25 threes in game four and all of a sudden it's an even serious, but I just don't think they have an answer for Embiid. So unless he gets hurt, Philly's going to win. The Embiid thing is just insurmountable for them.
1: Yeah, it's just too easy. It's too you easy. Know, I, I, don't, I don't know why that would change all of a sudden. Like the Trey stuff was too easy in game one, but I think all of us that saw what their potential options were, like you didn't have to be a basketball genius to go, you know what? You can probably figure out some different ways to attack this thing, and it has worked. So it's those two elements that I don't know why there's going to change. Like, Trey could still go off. Like, who are we kidding? I mean, it's Trey. But it's it's never going to be as easy as it was the first 24 minutes of game one.
0: The Hunter thing is such a bummer. Totally. If, if they had a Hunter, and Hunter, it seemed like he was running in shape. Now he's out again. But if they had him, I would... I would take it more seriously, but it feels like they're a guy short. Like there's some legitimate Solomon Hill now. Solomon Hill has been playing throughout. So no, but I mean, now it's like, they actually need Solomon. <laughs> now it's like, Hey Solomon, do you think you can get us 12 points? What do you, what do you got to you today? Can you hit a couple threes? Anything? Um, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not feeling great for Atlanta, but with the thing with Embiid is it could be any moment he could be limping to the locker room at any moment of the game. So, bizarre finals. Who do you, so gun to your head right now who wins the title? You don't know when Kyrie's coming back, you don't know when Harden's coming back. You don't Phoenix know Phoenix over Bambi Philly. Phoenix over Philly you would have now.
1: I was going to pick Phoenix Philly before the playoffs started, but then once the Lakers landed in the 7-2, Davis. then I just yeah. So, I wanted to say Phoenix Philly for I think weeks before the season, but I also you know, every Nets pick with me was worthless. Like you shouldn't have listened to me on any of it because I was kind of just trying to do something different on the Philadelphia side. Because every time the Nets looked right, which now has not been the case for a week, I would just I'd be sitting at home, you know, little legal pad out, and I would just be like, "Why would you be picking against these guys? Why would you be picking against them?" And that's the other thing. Like back to the Milwaukee part is that okay? So they hit some threes today. Things worked out. Kyrie leaves in the first half, but. The one question mark we had about Brooklyn was their defense. And even though there's some numbers that would tell you that they tightened it up a little bit more, it's like this is the this is the thing that they were supposed to be bad at, and you guys can't score on. Like, do you know how bad this is right now? Like for three games, you look anemic on offense against this team that's only question mark was his defense. It's <laughs> right. one thing if you can't really then stop No them. rim protection. Right. But now, now they're hurt, and so whatever. They get him in game four, but the Milwaukee – if Milwaukee gets through the second round, it's all of it will be met with, like, tempered enthusiasm for me. Like, look, if you're a Bucs fan, be happier in the Eastern Conference Finals. Like, whatever. People get hurt. Um, this is part of it. I mean, the, the, every, every series, right? Mitchell Conley for Utah. Clippers don't have a Baca. Phoenix actually looked like they were going to lose Chris Paul. They didn't. On the other side, you know, it's Denver without Murray. Davis. And you go Philadelphia, the NBA's got an MCL that apparently wasn't that big of a deal. Green's out. All right, if you want to go first round, you can keep going that, Davis. Robert, Nets are missing Robert two Williams of the, three guys. the Celtics. Robert Williams. <laughs> 48, just Fournier long-lasting COVID, COVID effect.
0: Oh, I have um, breaking news. Um, my friend Ben Thompson, huge Bucks fan, who was on this pod a couple weeks ago, he he's upset that he thought we were too hard on the Bucks in our part one podcast. I'd expect Buck fans to not like part he, one. That's yeah, fine. he said he wasn't alone with his opinion that he. I don't like,
1: expect no. That's that. That can be a nasty group. Listen, um, you're two two, and you think you're awesome right now. I I think if you're being honest with yourself, Bucks fans, you would have liked the offense to look a little bit better in one of the first three games.
0: We're pro Bucks. I bet on the Bucks. I picked the Bucks to win the series. I haven't liked how they looked in the in in these first four games, and I think if Kyrie doesn't get hurt, I I still think the Nets win the game.
1: I do. I have no way to prove it. Your excitement is the other team isn't good now.
0: <laughs> right. Your excitement is the other team was a three-man team that lost two of those three guys. Like, right, so I'm pretty won- sure I'm pretty sure the Celtics could have beaten Miami in 2012 if Bosch and Wade didn't play in the in the Eastern Finals. I think we could have taken them. 2012, yeah. Yeah. I think we would have had a good chance. So I will say though, um, I did like what I saw from Middleton and drew today. And I, I, there was a physicality with drew today that I enjoyed because he's weird. he's not that big of a dude, but he's
1: Drew's Drew's been really disappointing in this series.
0: He was tough today. I liked him today. You didn't like him today.
1: Uh, I think this was a really weird game. It's great. They got the win. It's great. They got the win. It's great. It's two, two. It's great. It feels like you're going to get out of the second round, but it's, it's not an offense that I feel better about. I look, game three shook me. Okay. Game three was like, are you guys seriously this clogged up and like still don't still can't figure out how to how to do this against the Nets? Like it's one thing if the Nets are gonna beat you because they're making every shot, fine, but you can't score on the Nets. So yeah, it it bummed me out. That's that's neil walk. Oh, that's a hairy man. Yeah. Oh, my God. Imagine yeah. having to play him. He was I'm surprised really, he wasn't more successful in the post just because guys didn't want to brush up against him.
0: He was really hairy. I'm going to give you some Neil Walk. Rainmaker. Some, some Neil Walk Wikipedia. Uh, sadly, not with us anymore. He Where did he go to picked, school? He went to, uh, he was a Florida Gator, all-time Florida Gator uh, rebounder. You can even see, even see, like, see the hair Wait, can you see that? The hair creeping out from... Oh, my God. Yeah, he was a hairy dude. Um, But uh, all-time leading rebounder for the Florida Some girls like that. Pick second. um, Did not last very long with the Suns. He said to author Charlie Rosen that he was one of the league's great booby prizes. I never paid attention to that bullshit. How many guys would love to be the second overall pick? Played with the Suns for six years. Averaged 20-12 and in the 72-73 season. Not bad, Um, and then went to the Jazz and the Knicks. Played in Venice. Played in Italy. Played in Israel, and uh, and that's it. I would have loved to play in Venice
1: in the seventies.
0: There was this great run of NBA guys figuring out that they could go to Italy, like Michael Ray Richardson, and just light it up in the eighties for play until their early forties and be able to be good, and you get to live in Italy and get paid. Smart. It's good. Yeah, Yeah, and the whole place is like script for you.
1: Just go to Italy, yeah. No, but there have to Neil be Neil some... Walk,
0: the hairiest American player, goes to Italy to play for a year.
1: It's a comedy. The, the stuff no? that's selling right now, I'd have to. There'd have to be some major twist.
0: <laughs> we, can, we can debate on that. Uh, let, before we go, you watched Mayor of Easttown? I did. Speaking of great
1: things that sold, uh, so you, were,
0: so you, you liked it. I was pushing you to watch it.
1: Spoiler alert! So we're just letting everybody know that hasn't yeah, watched yeah. it. Leave right? the pot right.
0: if you haven't heard, of it, haven't watched Mayor time. East Okay,
1: <laughs> you've seen Out of the Furnace, right? Yeah. So Brad Englesby, who grew up in in these areas, he's got the whole PA thing down. Uh, I loved Out of the Furnace. He's actually a he's got a brother, I believe, is a basketball coach, so he's a big basketball guy, and he he just he just knocked out of the park, man. It was it was a very straightforward kind of mystery whodunit deal twists and turns everybody's playing along trying to figure out who murdered this girl and I, I just thought the execution of it was you know it kept you engaged in trying to you cared, right you cared about who did it and that's the goal of all of these shows and he did a great job
0: did i tell you what i thought the ending should have been did you know it was the kid the whole time i didn't so i wanted mary to go up in the attic at the end yes but instead of it instead of fade to black, as we see the attic, she goes up, she gets her old, her old converses from the late nineties when she was, when she won the state title.
1: People weren't wearing converses in the late
0: nineties. What were, Nikes?
1: Yeah. Her, we would have been on her Nikes Jor- by then. Jordan
0: 12s grabs her Jordan 12s goes out, takes some threes, fade to black Mare, mayor, you know, good from 20. Like, I don't know. They didn't really go into Lady that in the show, but Yeah. Um, pretty much, pretty much a dead eye shooter. They three point line. I'm not sure was as big of a thing as it is now, but I think more of a mid range game, you know, like a, like yeah. a Kiki Vandaway type drive pull-ups. Yeah. A lot 12, of
1: that. Just hammering you at the physical. elbow, physical, yeah. a lot of like physical. offensive
0: rebounds, stuff like that, but maybe uh,
1: not a lot of rebounds per game, but when you needed a big board, mayor was going to get it for you.
0: Well, they were saying like, should there be a season two? And I, I just think season two, she becomes a basketball coach. It turns into <laughs> the way back. What was the Affleck movie? Yeah. Or Eddie. Yeah. No, no. I think, I think it's more dark. It's like, it becomes a Pennsylvania girls high school basketball drama. And then we just, we go into that world for a year. She's got to recruit the, the, you know, Gino's coming to see her, all that stuff. And she's just trying to f- navigate that world. And then obviously there's a murder. And then they okay, let me... Out how that affects the game.
1: Do you think they threw Guy Pierce in there as a total change-up to be like, all right, this something's wrong with this creeper. Anybody that ever brings a novel to a bar and sits at a bar and reads, like, major red flags. Whenever we had guys when I was bartending that would show up to read a book, you'd be like, all right, we got to get this guy out of here before the kids show up. Um, so the, that was... The,
0: I, the book reader was always, should I call the police?
1: Yeah, right. So I think they threw Guy Pierce in the mix... And he's got this ratted out hair and, you know, they end up hooking up immediately. And by the way, like Mm. Kate Winslet's job, she was awesome. And I don't want to say like I was rooting for moles, but like the way she went into this role looking like a little weathered. Yeah. And nailing the the vibe of this town. And then, you know, the part of the script where he was like, are you related to everybody? And he's like, yeah, she just goes, yeah, because everybody knows everybody. Like, it was just a, it was all very believable in the execution of all these people in this small kind of blue-collar town. A little deer hunter,
0: right? A lot of deer hunter. You know, I've heard the guy Pierce thing, people talking about it. We're both writers. We've been known to write scripts and stuff. Um, I actually think people don't do this enough. And I always think like the Sopranos when the Russian goes in the woods. And we're just trained to think that guy's coming back. And it's like, no, he's not coming back. <laughs> we're never going to see that guy again. We'll never know what happens. I don't think the red herring is used correctly enough with stuff. So Guy Pierce, it's like, well, he's so famous. He's got to, it's got to be some reason he's in this. You just assume, right? Like I just watched the, uh, the Saw movie and there was an actor in the Saw movie where I was like, wait a second, this guy's too famous to be in this. I have to assume he's going to be coming back. And, and of course I was right. The guy Pierce thing was just purely a red herring and they obviously just threw him a check. We're like, "Hey man, it's not a great part." You know, you get you get some scenes with Kate Winslet, she's won a couple Oscars, and uh and you're the red herring basically, and it worked cuz I kept waiting for him to and then it never happened. Smart. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I always
1: thought it'd be funny. The studio probably wouldn't love it, but you write a script where like Tom Cruise at the height of his powers He's on the billboard, the whole deal, movie poster, and then you just kill him seven minutes into the movie. <laughs> Fred, and you're like, wait, what? Wait,
0: no, no. Scream did that with Drew Barrymore. She was she was promoted. She was in the poster, the whole thing. It's a Drew Barrymore movie. And she died in the first scene and then kept it secret. It was like, oh my God, they killed her? They slipped. Yeah, her and she's eight, great too. She's so good it.
1: in the opening. Cause I was watching um, I was watching Die Hard Two the other night. I couldn't fall hmm. asleep. Good one. And it's so good because you your buy-in is perfect. And I love how like in the second one, they go, hey, make sure when you, when you send the facts, because you remember how like the girl had the fuck me eyes in yeah. the first one, they're like, make sure she does that again in the, in the sequel when back. he's sitting there. Yeah. Getting the fingerprints on it. And I, this is so stupid. I shouldn't even admit it, but I it would just be funny if like there was like a 45 minute buy-in that Bruce Willis is this cop caught up in another ridiculous situation. And then all of a sudden he can fly.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He didn't realize he had those
1: powers. Right. And he's like, all right, I guess. And so like the movie just changes two times dramatically. And by the time, like it's the last 20 minutes, he's got the powers of like Magneto and everyone would say this script is terrible. But I just think it'd be funny if like an Adam McKay type or somebody was like really established and get away with whatever he wants to yeah. would just go like, I'd like to write a real American, you know, shoot em up thriller, but then have two hard pivots that nobody sees coming. And instead of being judgy about it, just see like if you get the audience to like instead of recoil, like what the hell is going on? See if you could actually execute it um, again. Most anyone would laugh you out of the room, but I'm just I think out loud right now.
0: I would argue Die Hard 2 had one of the craziest flexes anyone ever did in a movie. They fucking brought down a plane full of people during the movie.
1: Yeah. This is why I've I've been
0: debating about whether it's a rewatchable or not. It's so disturbing. And then at the end, it's like, ah, John McClane gets out of it again. It's like, the whole plane of people dead. It's like, what? It's like, let's go get a beer. Um, i always thought it was like the craziest decision to just kill everyone on the plane I couldn't believe they did that i'm not i'm not saying it as like oh that's wrong it's they're they're you know they're not taking it uh heavily enough how important it was just like such a crazy decision like it could have crashed and like a couple of people could have died but they killed like two hundred no i mean think about all the movies that we grew up on like
1: normally especially if you go to the first die hard like when they were When they were killing guys, they weren't killing anyone you were invested in, or they were killing somebody who sucked. Like or who blew a mistake. Yeah, Yeah, the bad guy. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. So, you know, you weren't it wasn't like the whole building felt like blew up and a whole floor of people were killed, right? So that it's funny that you say that because when they crashed a plane full of people, I was like, oh. Like normally you wouldn't do that because I think, I think the audience is always, you know, it's weird. Like we like sad songs, but we like happy movies. So like, if you think of songs that you like, you know, and I'll go, you know, after a while I'll usually like a band's slower songs and the sadder songs, you know, I'll end up liking those. But with movies, there's a pretty clear formula here where you know, hey, two hours escape and be at the theater. And like, wait, you guys just killed a thousand people on a plane. And now John McClane's saying one-liners. And it still works. It still works. But I don't... Look, it was a bad no idea. No one does anything like that. I don't even know that I'm saying it's a bad idea. I think it's no, just it funny how I I processed it differently now watching it. Because I had Because you knew it was going to happen.
0: The first time in the theater, people are like, Jesus, this, <laughs> this got dark. Uh, I remember I can't, I haven't thought about 24. I love 24. I watched 24 for years and I remember 24 crossed the line like this. I can't remember what it was. Like they blew up the white house or they had like a nuclear war. There was something where it was just like, Whoa, Hey guys, this is my escapist television show. You just murdered everybody on it. What's going on? And I never felt the same about it after it's just, they just kind of, I don't know. You gotta be careful with this stuff. Anyway, Mary Town. um, I think she's she has to take over her old high school team's vacant job. Guy died. Heart attack. Goes in. She's not going to be a cop. And obviously, she shouldn't be a cop anymore after she planted drugs. You should have lost your badge after that. I don't care how many people you save after that. That's, you, that's not a one-week suspension. You're done. You're off the force. So that comes back to Haunter. Ends up becoming a basketball coach. Then there's some murder she has to solve. I Sign me up. Don't tell me there's no season two for Mary of because there is it's staring us right in the face.
1: You're not selling me so far right now on really? dealing with Gino Ariema. She's the high school coach and Gino Ariema shows up. Like I need, I need more. Cause the other cool thing of it was that basically it was two different storylines going on there where you were like, wait, are these things all connected? And it's like, nope, we're going to do kind of a silence of the lambs deal where we're chasing I something it. down yeah. and this isn't really the main goal. And the main part of this is going to be later on. And then, it, you know, I guess you could say, like, why did you have to set us up every episode into believing it was somebody else? But that was kind of the fun of it, you know? Yeah. Whether it was Roy from The Office, where you're like, wait, what's going on with this guy? And you're like, nah, just kidding. And you're like, Guy Pierce, why is this guy hanging out? No, nah, he's just going to leave. Um, you know, what's going on with this? Why did, you know, because it got a little, not challenging to follow, but when they were basically saying, like, wait a minute, you're getting this guy to confess that he did it? but he was actually just doing it for the other guy. And then, okay, this is why they're saying it was a secret because it was the son, and that's why everybody was lying because the son, and then you realize, okay, when the son attacks the kid with a lunch tray, you're planting the seed that he has a serious temper and he's violent. And so, okay, now that makes sense. Although, you know, it was you couldn't really put it together. I don't know how many people were guessing that it was a 13, 14-year-old kid that was behind it, but I doubt it was there were They They laid yeah. enough
0: breadcrumbs that it made sense when you found out, but it, nobody was guessing it. Oh, in and America. by
1: the way, that is it. John McCardle, he I think he's from Scotland, who plays the other priest. Yeah, not he stole every scene he was in. So when you thought it was him, because he throws yeah. a bike over the bridge, that guy. I don't know that much about him. Um, I was looking him up. I think he's in his early thirties. I think he's from Scotland, and he was like right away in all these different, you know, theaters and and schools. Like he was just going to be one of those guys. He was. I didn't know anything about him. And every
0: time he was in a scene, he was unbelievable. Season two, Diana Taurasi trains with Winslet for like eight weeks. Still not in.
1: Season two, Embiid moves to East Town.
0: <laughs> Gets involved with Kate Winslet. It's a younger man, older woman. People are like, what's going on? Episode Why you three is a sixer star
1: is, is Embiid is just complaining about Ben Simmons not developing an outside shot? <laughs> so
0: Mayor fixes it.
1: So Mayor like, meets I was up reading with Kevin
0: O'Connor. The Rigger, you're actually shooting with the wrong hand. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, that'd be great. Definitely more basketball in season two. I don't. I don't think that's a lot to ask for. Some sort of sports plot, whatever. All right. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Um, my son and I we watched the Saw movie with his friend Lucci. And I really thought it was good. I liked it. I thought the Chris newest Rock one, was good. Yeah, I think that was maybe my favorite Chris Rock movie he's ever done. Ever, ever? Yeah, I think it was. It's. I mean, it wasn't. There wasn't a lot of competition, but some people That's throw out point. top five. Some people throw out a couple others. Boomerang, New Jack. No, he was. In, oh yeah, he was a Boomerang, New Jack City. But he's not like the star of that. But like for a Chris Rock starring movie, I thought it was really good. Really, really liked it. It's actually a pretty good point. Now that I think about Chris Rock movies, there's gonna be stuff Never I'm translated here, right? No. It's like head of state. Um, I think I love my wife. CB4. I mean, the most successful movie he ever did was Grown Ups, which is uh an iconic kids' movie. I don't know if you knew that.
1: Uh I didn't. I didn't know that
0: one. Grown ups one and two are iconic. Pootie Tang. My kids, Pootie Tang. Eh. Um, my kids consider Grown Ups 1 and 2 uh, on par with how I feel about Godfather 1 and 2. Not <laughs> kidding. <laughs> and it's not just them. It's everyone their age. Grown Ups 1 and 2 are like massive movies. Um, all right, we got to go. Kyle's, Kyle's sending spoke signals to wrap. congrats, Chris Paul Appreciation Night. Uh, it went off with that hitch. It was beautiful. It's a lot of work. Congratulations. Of work eight, wins, eight wins to go. Um, we'll be back on this feed on Tuesday night. I will definitely be waiting until after Bucks Nets to post something. You have two more podcasts come this week as well. A couple of good guests. You've been dipping into the, uh, X player. Well, with a lot of success, there's been some good ones. Who was the last one you did?
1: Oh, we had James Posey. Um, and Robert Ori was terrific. Robert Ori yeah. was so like good him. on the on the Spurs Rocket series mm. when David Robinson got the MVP and they said he told us on the pod he goes it's the only time I've ever seen Hakeem like, all right, I'm gonna just take it out on this guy. Yeah. Right now. So I think it was like 95. Yeah. And um it was it was pretty cool. And it you know, he talked about Hakeem. He was like, look, Shaq's dominant, but Hakeem is a better player. Yeah. And that um it made the rounds. So yeah, I got a couple of things I don't want to tease him because Luke Wilson we ended up just pushing the interview back. We still have a friend coming on to do the life advice. So we have a writer and a, an unfitness guy coming up, but, um, I want to talk to Jared Jack. I think we're going to get him this week because he played in the Ignite team with the lottery picks there. And I think he's just, cause I've gone back and watched those Ignite games to watch those two kids play. And I I thought like Jared Jack was just trying to be professional and, you know, figure his basketball life out. And so I thought it was a pretty unique experience. So hopefully he'll be a, will be great guest for that.
0: Can I make a guest suggestion for you? And then we're really going to go. Sure. I saw Van Lathan this weekend. Van Lathan has this hidden secret thing that I didn't know about. He, he loves high school basketball and football and, like, has real opinions on the high school basketball top 20 recruits and shit like that, like real opinions. So I think then, then I, can't, I can't hang with him. No, like, I think I, you should have him on and treat him like he's Mel Kuyper Jr., For the class of twenty, like he has like Amani Bates takes. There's levels to it.
1: Guys are worried about Monty Bates development. Yeah, yeah, he's like he's
0: He's breaking out Amani Bates stats, field goal percentage shit. I'm like, cool. What? Where have you been hiding this? So I think, I think you're gonna have to bring him on to talk high school basketball. Cause I had no idea this was lurking inside him and you can hang with this stuff better than I can. I don't know that I can though.
1: I'm, I'm not going to be that, that great to talk to him about it. This might have to be, I'm not, I love maybe Van, you almost have to bring
0: in him and like somebody Mike, else. Like Mike Schmitz. Mike Schmitz. <laughs> <laughs> I'll the just funny. lay out, not Van, talk for half an hour. <laughs> Van, Van in his spare time becomes one, one of the dominant high school uh, prospect guys. He's
1: you should have, Lego. you should build a ringer page for him where he just, 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 <laughs> thoughts, random thoughts. Like it's not even edited. Well, just, you know, like we Man. actually,
0: we talked about, and we decided we couldn't do it because his voice is too distinct with that. We're just creating a character where Van pretends he's this other person. And we give him a podcast that it's like Bob Johnson's uh, high school basketball corner. And he's just like doing, but it's really Van, but we never say it's Van. And it then should be Tom's
1: Amansky. younger brother that no one knew about. And he just makes fun of baseball the whole time too. It's like Tom got got you know wrong side of the tracks.
0: My favorite thing ever is when you think you know somebody and then you find out some secret thing they have going on like like that. I'm like I'm just I'm a, I love being surprised. I love being surprised by people in my life. So anyway, uh, Rosillo, pleasure yes. as always. I will Thank see you. you out next Sunday. Uh, Bucks Twitter, be nice to us.
1: Fair, stern but fair.
0: And that was it for part two. Don't forget about part one, which is already up. So I will see you on Tuesday.